Welcome to the Legacy Makers Podcast. In this show, our four hosts talk about everything from family, living as an engaged parent, to family psychology and creating multi-generational impact. Today, we have a special guest with us from the NFL's Los Angeles Chargers, starting linebacker Drew Tranquil and family man and marriage man extraordinaire. We are excited for our conversation today, talking about how can we run our families like an NFL football team to build a stronger, lasting, more powerful legacy. If this is an encouraging show and helps you in any way, in return, we ask that you would rate the show, subscribe, and then share it with some friends in order to help more families live on purpose. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hey, hey, hey. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are super, super excited for what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, like I said, we got a great guest with us today, starting linebacker for the NFL uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Drew Tranquil. And um, just super thankful that you're here, Drew. And thank you for, guys for everyone else for being here. Thank you, George. Thank you, Ben Appleby. Thank you, Beto. Um, just, just so thankful for this group. Uh, this, this topic today that we're going to be talking about, um, I'm really excited because I think there is a lot of alignment. I think there's, there's a lot of correlation between how maybe you run a football team and how we can actually, uh, uh, run the ship of our family, um, to really build a strong, focused, uh, powerful legacy that lasts generations. Uh, that's really what we're all about with Legacy Makers too. So just super excited to have Drew and give let him give some super awesome uh, special insight into how it works. And uh, you know maybe we can take some things away and, and apply it to our own families. So let's just go ahead and just right off the bat, I mean, Drew, I would love for you just to introduce yourself. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your family, kids. Uh, let, let's hear a little bit. Sound good? Ben, you look amazing. <laughs> thank Doesn't you. He? Your hair looks great. Gelled thank over. You. Thank you. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. I found myself uh, here in Orange County uh, becoming friends with you, what, a couple years ago? Yeah, you I think so. Here, uh, got drafted out here in 2019, and uh, since it's been a whirlwind, to say the least. I was joking, actually, with my wife the other day. I was like, babe, I had a crazy Jordan year. <laughs> My 23rd year of life was unbelievable. <laughs> we went 12-0 and at Notre Dame, made wow. the college football playoffs. We got married. We started this NFL journey. We got Jeez. pregnant, had our first son, Eli, moved out to California. Uh, so it was wild. But I'm, I'm out here now going into year four with the Chargers, uh, married That's to my awesome. wife, Jackie. We just celebrated four years. So uh, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, and then we've it. got... We've hold got on, two on. kids, one yeah. on the way, not quite up to Ben Appleby's <laughs> level. But. I'm glad you brought me in on that. You guys are high school sweethearts, right? We are. Looking at that collage oh, from the other yeah. day for your anniversary, I was like, dang, yeah. they go way back. I looked pretty young in those pictures, didn't I? A little bit. I yeah. mean, it's I had chin no facial strap. hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it ages you up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, why don't you just go ahead and share a little bit real quick. I'd love to hear, before we really dive into some of the nuts and bolts, what do you think it takes to win on the field and at home? What's one thing you got? In the field and at home, I would say 
if you want to win in anything, you got to have a plan. Mm. I think you got to have a plan in place. Yep. And, uh, I think people understand that for the most part. I think most people understand you have to have a plan and then, but I feel like where most people fail is that plan typically doesn't go according to plan. There's always, there's that saying a boxer, right? Steps in the steps in the ring and he's got, he's got a plan and a vision of how the match and how the yeah. is going to unfold. And until he gets hit in the mouth, right? And I feel like that's so similar in the game of football and obviously in our life. I think football yeah. is a great – sports in general are a great analogy for life. But I think you got to have a plan, and you got to know how to execute when that plan doesn't go according to plan. Mm, I love that. That's one of my favorite Mike Tyson quotes. Everybody yeah. has a plan until he gets punched in the face. Exactly. I wish so I could good. say it in his voice. <laughs> no. So what's it like to get punched in the face at home? Sheesh. <laughs> good follow-up. Wow. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's not the getting You can smacked. be real. Not, we're, we're real here. It's yeah. okay. It's not the physical uh, smacked in the face that you, <laughs> that you get on the field. Uh, it's emotional. Glad we're not having that conversation yeah, today. It's emotional. It's <laughs> mental. I'm glad it doesn't turn physical in our home. Yeah. Uh, Just let that boy grow up a little bit, bro. He'll, I know. He'll catch you. Hey, he's... He's starting to get. He's starting to feel himself a little bit. He just turned three in May, and and he's starting to take his swings at dad. Oh man! Uh, I, for us, I just feel like God is really. Uh, we've been in a unique situation. So I come from like a really tight, close knit family. Uh, Jackie comes from a bit of a broken family, mm. and for me, I went to school close to home. Like everything was about like being close to my family and on draft day, actually my mom broke down crying when I got drafted at the Chargers. She's like, my baby's going 2000 miles away. There goes my first grandbaby. Um, I guess I wasn't thinking about it a lot at that time, but I think God was putting into motion this season of Jackie and I's life where it was like, mm. you guys are going to learn to like be a unit separate from your families. And so I think where we first got hit in the face was she's 38 weeks pregnant and we're moving out to Los Angeles, California, where we know nobody, we don't know a soul. And she's 38 weeks pregnant, hiding her belly to just to get on the flight to come out here. And we have our son two weeks later. And so I think just the unknown of like, how are we going to navigate one, my first season in the NFL, but two, having a child being totally away from our family. And I think it's just, it's the unknown. Everybody gets smacked in the face with the unknown. And for us, that's definitely been like our first three years. Mm. It's been <laughs> unexpected kids, unexpected <laughs> destination in Los Angeles. <laughs> and so it's just, but it's been cool because God had a purpose for that. And I've definitely seen us huh. like strengthen as a unit, like I said, separate from my family or her family. So it's been mm. cool to like become an entity in ourselves. What do you feel like has and this kind of is leading to my next question, but you know, the next question is what, what sets you apart, you know, and you know, you don't, you don't have to be humble here, but what what do you think sets you apart uh, compared to other leaders as a leader on the field, as a leader at home? And, and in a way, what do you feel like has led to your ability to be able to navigate some of the punches in the face um, in both yeah. arenas? Yeah. I don't know if this is uh because there's a saying that the oldest kid has to mature like the most quickly, 
But I've I've noticed like guys in the locker room will like joke that I'm the old guy. It started at Notre Dame and it has continued into the NFL. Guys always think I'm older than I am. I, t- I think it's probably because like I was engaged and getting married in college. Mm. And guys were like, "What the heck's going on with this guy? <laughs> like, are you serious? Are you going to commit to a lifelong relationship right now?" And then in the NFL, it's like I have kids, I'm married, and it's just I think it's uncommon. Yeah. A lot of guys, a lot of friends of mine, you know, they're single or you know they're not. Maybe they're in a relationship, mm-hmm. but they're not married, and they certainly, you know, don't have kids until they're six, seven, eight years into the NFL. And so, I think for me, it's probably just I had to mature a lot younger, like being a, a married man. Totally, marriage forces you to do that. Yep. It forces you to grow up. Certainly, having kids forces you. Oh yeah, uh, to grow up. And uh, but that's what I wanted in life. I knew as a young man uh, that the most important thing to me was being a God-fearing father and a, and a loving husband. And, like, that's what, you know, I wanted to be, aside from obviously playing professional football. But I knew, like, those were kind of my values. Mm. And so hey. kind of went full send on it. Can I do a follow-up on it. that, Benny? You, yeah. Because you, you the way you phrase that is remind me of a question I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, Drew. Right. And it's more like And you've football. held it in until the <laughs> Legacy Makers podcast. No, I just didn't have the time. Uh-huh. Because it's a football leadership question. But, again, it's still a leadership question. I think people can get something from it. But – Ben was talking about like what contrasts you from other leadership leaders on the field. And I always wondered, you know, they name captains and uh, I won't name any captains from the, from the Chargers organization, but you watch these captains every Sunday and you just see like, dude, this guy's acting a fool right now. Like is, mm. was he made captain based off of numbers alone or mm. was it, was it character? Was it competency? Was it maturity? Do you know, do you, do you even know like how they, how those guys go in and they pick those captains? Is it pretty much numbers yeah. or is it the other stuff too? Well, we're, th- I, I'm feel like we're thankful in the chargers. Like we have really solid captains. Like I look at our quarterback dude's an absolute rock star. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we do our captains. We, the players vote. Oh, that's it. cool. Uh, but oh, it was wow. it was so interesting. So my second year in the NFL, my coach actually came to me like at the end of training camp and goes, "Hey, like you got the fifth, I think fourth or fifth highest amount of votes wow. to be a captain, but wow. I chose not to give it to you because I felt like this guy who might have been like sixth or seventh, like it was his, it was his contract year. They were really working on mm. him being more of a vocal guy. So he got the nod, and he basically said, like, I knew, like the the title of that wouldn't affect like your leadership, but I felt like it would really like bolster this guy's mm. confidence to wow. lead. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure coaches like do that at times. Like yeah. some guys are just less vocal than others, and you know maybe some guys they have more confidence are just gonna lead by like nature. Mm-hmm. So. We vote on it, so ours is, is player driven, which That's I think cool. is the right way to do totally. it. You know, very cool. Okay, so one more follow up on it. Yeah, please do. I think this That's is cool. cool. I didn't so realize cool. they vote for. Yeah, it. I mean your peers. That's that's in yeah, right. college though. A lot of times the coaches will just you know handpick the guys because they're the best players slash you know they want these guys to like be the face of the team. Yeah, slash the best looking. Yeah, <laughs> Leader, leaders. Ben Glassman would get that nod. Man, he's totally. got a great hairline. I want to say that he's, earlier. I'm glad you brought it back. Going back, we call him captain sometimes. Got a great hairline. I've always said that about you, BG. Um, I, 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 it seems like to me another one of those marks of like captain or leadership on a team is uh, staying emotionally even keeled. Like that when I made that comment about people acting up, like or, ca- or captains acting up. That's that's usually what it is. Like they, the other team got in their head, they're acting emotional, they get flagged or whatever it is. And um, how is that in your mind? Is does that how big of a part does that play in? And this obviously crosses because for us as 
dads and mm-hmm. for leaders either in the community or in our household. Like we've been talking about that as a community back at church, like staying cool. Mm-hmm. Like how relevant yeah. is that for the leadership of your peers? Like oh. when you just got to stay so level-headed because it's such an emotional yeah. game. So that was my problem with sports. When I got called out by my coach once, he like yeah. yelled at me. The one time I got yelled at <laughs> was the playoff game. And he was like, cause I was yelling at another player. He was like, and I was captain at the time. He like pulled me by the collar. I was like, you can't do that. And, yeah. uh, I never forgot it. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a valuable trait to like be steady, but it has what's interesting about like going high or going low is it has like direct implications on the people around you. Right. So like mm. in a football game, if one of the guys gets frustrated at the opponent and decides to waylay the guy in the head or take a late hit or whatever it might be, like that's a personal foul and it's going to cost our team 15 yards. Right. And so like if I'm walking in the home and let's say I'm riding the high of a good game and I'm absorbed in what people are saying about me on social media. It's like, no, I'm not steady. I'm not there for my family. Like mm. that has direct implications for my wife feeling like, dude, are you in this fight with me like mm. right now? Like, do you see the kids running around right now? Yeah. Or are you like absorbed in yourself? Or maybe I'm frustrated and mad and I'm in a valley of how practice went that day and I carry it in to my home. Like my hmm. kids can feel that. Yeah. Like, yeah. They can see that. Like, yeah, they don't, they don't care how dad did it practice. Like they care about like the man I am, mm. the husband I am when I walk through that door. Yep. And so it's a very valuable trait to like be steady. Yeah. I, my dad was really, he was a steady guy. Huh. And so I, I feel like that's cool. He gave me a good example, you know, of what that looks like. It's a blessing. I yeah. love that. Do you ever find yourself coming home and just praying right before you go in the door? Yeah, I got Ben. It might've been you that gave me this habit. You said like you kind of do a quiet car ride home, yeah. And I think that's that's so valuable. I think what I learned as a as a young cat in the NFL is I would immediately leave football and I would try to like handle off the field stuff. And be, I was on my phone when I walked in the door, and I was just I was just totally like not present. And so I've been trying <laughs> to to take the Ben Appleby nice approach <laughs> of. Uh, no, I'm serious. You said this uh, at group, I think, a few weeks ago. And you run, like, stiff arm the kids out of the way, and it's full send <laughs> to yeah. Riley. Well, for me, like, I've, I've been just trying to, like, go in the door and immediately go, like, hug Jackie, yeah. mm. ask her how the day is going. And so Dang, that's been that's kind awesome. of my practice to, like, really just feel like I land at home and I'm not, you know, still in the air, you know, finding the runway. Like, I, I want to ground – and I've been trying to do that by like beelining it for my wife. Mm. So cool. So that's awesome. That's great. I love that. I got that in turn from Bucky Dennis, by the way. So I don't know what he got Bucky. it from. It all goes but back to BD. There's some statistical yeah. thing that yeah can obviously pierce both of our hearts, Drew. But I love that. Bucky read this that. thing that the, it, there's put it as like a number, but the first two minutes in the door is indicative of the rest of the night, or maybe the whole. Day. Oh, oh, like that. I can that, definitely see that locking up with them is going to dictate the whole rest of the thing. It mm. Makes a huge difference. <sighs> Lopsided. Right? I got so convicted by that question about so captains freaking out just this morning. Yeah. Is he? was putting sunscreen on she just sprayed some right in hazel's eye oh and no. it just looks so bad and hazel's cry was just so bad i was just like oh my god you know this freak out, freak out. Yeah. and it and izzy just has like the sweetest heart in the world like reminds me of like snow white dude like the birds like lover type of thing you know yeah animals lover and uh she gets when if i get upset like that and react like that she just bolts 
mm. runs and hides <laughs> and it just yep. like breaks my heart that I do that to her right. type of thing. But it's like, you know, in the heat of the moment, you're thinking about these captains responding that way. It's like, it's an in the moment thing. But I always, it always takes me back to that verse in James be slow to speak. Yeah. yeah. Quick to listen, mm-hmm. slow to anger mm-hmm. or anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And I truly believe that's like God introducing us to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in us in those circumstances. Like that's his instruction. Here's how you let my spirit take over instead of your flesh. Yeah. Dummy. So good. <laughs> oh, there's lots of good stuff. There. So good. Hey, well, let's go ahead and open it up. Uh, I, I do want to, you know, talk about some of the mechanics of, of an NFL football team and how it correlates to family. Uh, but th- th- just take this question. I mean, anyone can take this question and we can kind of start talking about it. But, you know, if we take the perspective that our family really is a team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what are some things that we might be able to take away from how a pro football team operates uh, to really help our family grow? What do you got? Well, I know some that's really been important on teams that, have been good that I've been a part of is everybody has a role Mm. and everybody's role is not the same. Mm. And when people can feel valued in their role and feel like their role matters, that leads to more buy-in. And when people are bought into their role, I know that's Mm. when teams operate at its best. And I think obviously everybody would love the stardom, you know, of the quarterback or to be a starter. And on the teams that I've been a part of that were great, the guys who might not have been starting, who might have been playing special teams or might not have been playing at all, might have been given a look on the scout team, like they took their roles like very, very seriously. Hmm. And so, you know, I think even within a family unit, like people have roles whether yeah. it's in seasons, like maybe one of the siblings is like highly involved in sports and their, their team is very, very busy and the other siblings find themselves traveling and having to go support <laughs> and maybe you feel like they're in the back seat a little bit. Or maybe one spouse is very, very busy with work and yeah. the other spouse feels like they're picking up all the slack at home, doing the mm-hmm. laundry, cleaning the dishes, taking care of the kids, Scrubbing heinies, giving baths, <laughs> lots of butts, lots of butts, <laughs> lots, lots of butts, a lot of, so lot of dirty butts. diapers, <laughs> and uh, it can be it can be challenging sometimes for the people who aren't getting the recognition to really lock in, accept, and thrive in their role. Mm-hmm. And I think the family units, huh. the teams that accept their roles and mm-hmm. operate in them accordingly, and really take it to heart, uh, you know. We're going to function at the best, but it starts with the leadership because the leadership is responsible for making everybody feel valued in their role. And nobody's going to operate well in their role or Mm -hmm. in their position. If they don't feel valued, they're going to constantly want to, people want to feel valued. And so they're going to reach and they're not going to operate when they don't feel valued. Well, how do you, maybe this, maybe this translates or not, but how do you, how do you, uh, facilitate your kids or, you know, anyone else in the family or team, uh, you know, getting buy-in. How do we get them to buy into something that maybe they're not interested in or maybe they don't see the bigger picture? You know, how do we yeah. do that? I'd love to hear from the football first and then yeah. we can go everywhere. But, like, I, that's a very curious question for me too. Like, there's yeah. very clearly a vision year to year. 
Yeah. I've been. Mm. I, I try to read about the Chargers in the newspaper, like, and I don't barely understand sports to begin with. But there's very clearly, like last year, last season, we picked up a new scheme for offense, and that was our first year. I, I, it was Justin, I think, was talking about this, and he's like, I, I had, to, I was thrown right into it. Hmm. Now, what's going to be different this season, dude? I got 12 months under my belt of running this scheme. Yeah, and so huh. there's clearly a vision. What does that look like? I wonder in the NFL. Yeah. Well, I think even to get back, maybe a little bit more specifically to like your question, BG is like. You have to know the people. Like if you're if you're coming from the leadership perspective, like you have to know the people like mm. you're communicating with. Like, wow. like what are their love Ooh. languages? Like how do they respond? So are they internally motivated? Are they externally motivated? Like do they need words of affirmation? Do they yeah. need wow. like firm like verbal like cues? Like get your butt moving or like like how do how do each of the people in your family or the people on your team like respond? And like Dang. that is the role of like the leader to know. Like that is Coach Staley's responsibility is to know wow. how his players respond and to get them to respond. We have a certain responsibility. Everybody has an internal responsibility, right? To to be the best version of themselves and, and to wow. and to I don't know, to to function in the role that, that God has given them. But people are in roles of leadership for a hmm. reason. And as men, as you know, our wives as co-leaders of our home, like that is our job to know our children. That is our job to know each other. So good. I like, uh, I, I, we were at a, a conference, uh, PAO pro athletes outreach. And I, I don't know what NFL or I think it was Dave and Ann Wilson. They wrote vertical marriage, which is a, mm. a fantastic book. But Dave said, dude, it's your job as a husband to be the highest expert on your wife. Like to know her mm. inside and out, and if you're not every day fighting to be the expert on your wife, like you're failing as a husband. <laughs> That's awesome. Like you're missing the mark. Wow. And so I think to get back full circle yeah. to, the, to the question, you got to know the people like you're working with. So good. Yeah. Quick pause, really quick, dads. If you're listening, parents. If you're listening, do you know your kids? Do you know your wife? And if you don't, what are you doing to get to know them? Their personality. Their love languages, what do they like, what do they don't like, what gets them going, and, and what are you doing to, to foster and cultivate those types of things so that we can attain the buy-in, you know, and, and with their role as a part of the family. Yeah, the, the, the thing in our house, um, I don't know if it's different because of the numerical value or not. Yeah, how do you know 10 kids? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> well, that, Seriously. That comes quite naturally. For I, sure. I think that it, there's a difference between knowing them and then intentionally um, – uh, leaning into that mm. personality type, you know, do we always have the time to like do one-on-one with each one? No, but, yeah. but their personalities rise up rather evidently. You guys would probably all have that experience, even as a two-year-old, like, okay, that's how you're going to be. Like, that's your type, you know, for Deacon, he's two and we already know he's going to be <laughs> ADHD like Shep, like, like dad. Uh, he's got a serious motor, a lot of energy made of meat. So he'll just put his head through a wall. No problem. <laughs> and like, so his wiring, he's two like, yeah. But uh, it's a different thing between knowing and then leaning in and being with and, and, and all that closeness and intimacy stuff. But there's something that we do, maybe it's universal, where it's like we're constantly priming the pump. We're constantly giving a – it's a huddle. It's a, this is a very team analogous thing. It's an absolute huddle. Huh. So Because this is what we notice with our That's kids. Cool. They all want to know what's going on, what's happening, mm, what yep. are we doing next. Yep. And so we get in the car and it's like – Cruz is the notorious one, the five-year-old who's like, Mom, what are we doing? And then, and then we'll answer. And then what happens? Two seconds later, what the seven-year-old, what are we doing? <laughs> Everyone quiet down. I'm turning off the radio. Don't speak. Don't say a word. And then I'll just try. And I love, it's a quick sidebar, I love what kids do to hone your communication and your leadership skill. If you can communicate to toddlers, 
you can talk to anyone in the world. The best communicators, yeah. like uh, like my craft is preaching. The best guys who are have their clips on you know Christian radio or wherever else is because they've made it so stupid simple. And so I'm so thankful for the mm-hmm. last couple of years how my kids have been maturing. You have to be simple, but wow. I mean, talk about. I mean, you're gonna be overcomplicated in a huddle. No, you can't be overcomplicated, dude. Like we just got to do this now, and it's the two minute drill. So when we're in the car, we'll shut it all down and be like. X, Y, Z, not too far out, but just in front to say, this is what it is. Do you have questions? Okay. And then we won't, it's amazing. Like mm-hmm. even from five, two to five to seven year old, you won't hear from them again because they got it. Dang. And so the, a lot of the priming, the prompt, preparing their hearts, preparing their minds, giving some expectation. We're no different as grownups, right? We want expectation. Mm-hmm. We always want expectation. So oh, yeah. we, we try and do that with them. But you guys, you and Megan and Legacy Makers Ben has really pushed us to create buy-in with them that their voice matters and we were really overlooking that and so we're trying mm. to be better about that to include them in vision include them in strategy and as much as they can and as much as they're able but yeah that was a, that was a blind spot so we're thankful I for love his that. voice oh yeah it's so good and i love what the, else? the sports analogy here and how to run your family like an nfl team i mean that's how i run my team i, I use nhl i'm a hockey player so <laughs> i'm always thinking of that and you know i tell everybody it's like hey we're here to win the cup Right. And so I'm looking for the right players or sometimes mm. I'll say we're here to win the Super Bowl. Right. I'm looking for Gronkowski, basically. And right, everybody's got to do their part. Player. Yeah. I mean, is it he's a, not coming back. He's not coming back. <laughs> we'll see. You know, how bad do you want it? Is it in your contract? Are you doing what you said you would do? Hmm. You know, we're hmm. setting targets to win. How many games do we need to win this season to make it to the playoffs? I mean, mm-hmm. right. So, I mean, and we're reverse engineering like so that. Good. But what I love is that you guys reference, like, how do you kind of shut that off and go into, right? Because I, I mean, I, I may not play in the NFL, which like you've got to probably be in that warrior mode. Mm-hmm. when you're out there on the field mm-hmm. but it's like dude in my business i'm like i i literally turn on the warrior mode switch i mean mm-hmm. i have to be in that uh it's it's uh it's doggy dog out here dude mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you have to compete you have to compete yeah you to gotta totally. compete right and to run the team and take on that responsibility anyway and so by the time i get home it's like dude how do i turn this switch off right because now it's like now i got to be the gentle king mm-hmm. right and i don't want them to take on any of what I'm coming home with. Mm-hmm. But so I love that we're discussing this because I do want to create that type of structure though, for success within the family yeah. and roles within the family, like you pointed out and, and give them something to be stoked about too. And so we have implemented some things like that where we put up their roles at each one of our roles around the house or like on the refrigerator. My wife pioneered yeah. that nice. and I love it. And everybody gets after it. We used to do the point system thing that they kind of dug, but we fell off on that. Yeah. But uh, I think it's totally applicable to run your family like a sports team. Mm-hmm. That's how I'd like to do it. But one thing that I need to learn better is how to um, connect with them at each age that they're at. Mm. because they're three and they're seven. Mm -hmm. I can't connect with them the same way that I connected with my 33-year-old agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. True. How do you meet them at their level? Right. Yeah. Benny, you had a great question in there since you mentioned competition. I don't know if that's where you're going next, but Uh, yeah, like compete with the business sense, but then you got compete with the world and all those things we're contending with. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other thoughts around this. Um, You know, one is like, you know, studying the opponent, you know, looking at, you know, the, and, and for a family, it's, you know, really the world, it's getting, getting them ready for the world. What's the world like when, you know, when they're getting out there, I, I wanted to actually kind of keep talking about this. Cause one of, one of the ideas is, is kind of along the lines of getting by and, you know, in, in their role and in their part of the family, um, whether it's your kid or your spouse or even yourself. Um, and as it relates to the team, it's like, you know, how do you cultivate and align, 
um, individual commitment to the overall team's objective as whether that's a family and a team, you know, your family mission, you know, for us and what we talk about at legacy makers, um, how do you cultivate that when everyone's got different, they've got different wants, different desires, you know, on the, on the field, you know, maybe players have different objectives for their own agenda that might be driving some of them. Um, how do you get everyone aligned? Cultivate. That's my word of the year. I'll give you a quick answer. You go through the legacy mapping session. Hey, you identify your, your family's core values and where you guys align Step most. One. Then you come up with your family mission statement. And Step one. Ben's wife prophetically designs your family crest That's and right. you post that on the wall and remember what you guys stand for. That's right. Got to make a plan. I, yeah, I don't know. I, we could all say it, and it, w- it would be worth repeating. I, it's amazing to me that Drew's very first answer was plan. <laughs> I was like, he could have gone anywhere for the <laughs> team thing, and he's like, plan. And then you went on to say a plan is only half as good as executing that plan. So you got to get the plan, work your plan. How, you're not aligning around anything unless you have a plan. True. So your question is, well, how do we do alignment? Don't even do it. Don't even, <laughs> don't, don't. You'll just hit your head against the wall until you know what you're doing. Yeah. So definition of insanity, all that applies here. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Something's wrong in your plan. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that, George, you, that's the great starting place. Probably jump off from there, but that's a great starting you place. Do you see any correlation in that, Drew? Aligning individual goals to team goals. I mean, I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest drivers just in business or anything, right, is incentives. Like when people mm. feel like it's a win-win scenario, like where I can win, True. but also the team can win, or where I can be successful and our family unit like can also be successful. Mm. And so, as like the leader of our home, it goes back to like knowing your people, like how can you create like win-win scenarios in your home where like your kids can support and push the family mission forward, but they also can thrive and flourish into the unique one of one individuals that God created them to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So good. good. I love that. That's why I think the word cultivates is so significant because you want them to step into that, right? Not like force it on them type of thing. They've got to want it for themselves. Yeah. But I, I love the plan, and I think uh, the second part to that is a belief in it as well, and that True. we're going to accomplish these things. Like we, mm. we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. So mm. a lot of these things can't necessarily be tangible right in front of us if we've got a big kind of purpose and plan to reach for. I just think in, in how that correlates into sports, the best I've ever played is when my confidence is at like a super high level and that I attest to having a faith in performance. Like I know I'm going to snipe that shot. I know I'm going to hit that top corner. I believe I'm going to hit it and I hit it. So, um, I think that correlates with the family too, when we're setting these things, right? Like, Hey, we want a homestead for our family Mm -hmm. and to live off the land type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, that takes an element of faith to believe that that's, attainable that that's available Mm. for us and then to put the tangible pieces in place to walk that out Mm. with the belief that that is going to come to fruition you know or if we're going to build an orphanage then we're reverse engineering it but it comes with a belief that that's something that we can do are equipped to do yeah george that's Mm. a that's a huge word too that i feel like none of us threw out but belief yeah like if your kids don't believe if our players don't believe in the game plan that was put together, like we don't have as good of a shot. I think similarly, like if your kids don't believe in like what your family's about and they're not bought in, like you're not going to see the fruit yep. to its best potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a, sp- a spiritual 
lane that you guys are both making me yeah. think about, Ben, just to drive homework. Because at first I thought alignment, oh, it's so organizational, but there's deep, <laughs> deep spiritual implications for what that does for all of us. These guys talked about belief. I'll give you two more. Hmm. Um, obedience and also like just team all over again, partnership. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite things yeah. that we do when we take our like yeah, boy becoming good. a man or girl becoming a woman ceremony, which we've only done once because we do it when they turn 10. Yeah. And Levi just had his turning 10. And I had all the men that we went out to camp with. They would read a segment of their favorite thing that is indicative of boy becoming man. And the, the sample I read was from this homeschool curriculum book. And the whole thing is about this family at like turn of the century farmstead in Colorado. And they're up in the hills. And it's dad with son. And the son's like coming of age. And he's just a knucklehead and he thinks he's big enough to ride the horse and big enough to do the cattle. And dad's like, every time you do that, every time you go out on your own autonomy, mm. you're not a partner. I need a partner. Wow. I need a partner wow. in, in doing this homestead. I need a partner in, in this farm. I need a partner in this deal. And so, and then of course, when he catches him in a win, he's like, that, you're my partner, buddy. Boom. And he might be 10, 11, huh. 12. And I, I just thought that. that's the sick. Like I could read him anything. That's the thing I want him to hear because that to me is what his boy becoming a man is. I can lean on him, I can put weight on him mm. and he's partner. Another word for partner could be teammate. That's spiritual. God looks for partners in the garden. That's when good. he, when he delegates authority mm. to Adam, that's a, that's, 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 a, that's a partnership type of idea happening. Yeah. And then the second piece that's very deeply spiritual is to be subservient to someone else's game plan, coach or captain mm. or whoever it is, mm. is all type of spiritual implication. Mm. Teaching our next generation to um, yeah, good. Uh, forget their rights or put their rights secondary or subservient to a higher cause or something that's more important or something that's bigger to them. Man, do we need that today? Everyone's so mm. right, obsessed, and freedom obsessed, and I can oh, have yeah. it my way. The culture's there today. I can have it my way, so I'll go a hundred different ways, and they're all right. That's that's garbage. It's caca. Well, you know, so. the the Bible modeled that too. When Jesus said, "I haven't seen such great faith in all the land," that's when right. That that gentleman said that he understands following orders. Mm-hmm. Right? He gives an order and they follow exactly. the centurion, right? Mm-hmm. But then you brought up obedience, and I I thought I'd quote our favorite Ed Cole here: <laughs> "A ton of prayer will never produce what an ounce of obedience will." Mm. Ooh. And Ouch. our last, our blessing is based on the last point of obedience or disobedience yeah 100 percent, dude i think uh back to the idea of, of belief um you know a, one concept that i'm kind of trafficking uh, trafficking in a lot lately is is belief and believability um you know and i think especially as our kid you know for our kids and for our children to really gain belief in what we're all about as a family and our mission and our values um it starts with uh are you believable like as a parent, as a leader, as a dad, am I believable? And what what that means is wow. is am I doing what I say? Right. Um, am I am I actually putting into practice what I say I stand for and what I believe in? Um, and that's I think the the beginning of how you can actually you know more influentially um, foster your children's belief um, towards the greater good, towards alignment, towards the, the goal. Um, is and it's just a lot of work that I'm doing right now. Integrity, believability, workability. Um, do I do what I say? You know, and, and, and am I integrated in that sense? Dang, man, I hadn't thought about that word like that, but you just totally flipped the script on us. Believability, I love it. but believe it or not, I was <laughs> literally Gosh, meditating quick on his feet on <laughs> this word of belief this week. I mean, I had wow. no idea we were going to talk about this. Okay, Ooh. but um, that's how God works, and love it. And Jesus was like, you know. Did I not tell you that if you believe, 
you will see the glory of God. And I was saying, they're just like, oh my gosh, he just wants us to believe like a child. Mm. Like he just wants us to accept it. Like that is literally the ticket is belief. It's literally everything. Mm -hmm. We can know the scriptures up and down, but if we don't believe, like forget it. We don't have the Mm. power of God. We don't have any of that. And how many times have we experienced in our faith walk where we like actually have faith? Then we see the hand of God, dude. Mm. I remember times in, in my faith walk where I'm like, everybody's getting healed. Cause I just believed it. I knew people were getting healed. (laughs) Amen, dude. I love it. What do you guys feel like are some of the roadblocks that a team might or family might uh, experience, um, as they're going down, down life? DD, you had a couple roadblocks, bro. For the last two years. (laughs) I'm throw ego out there. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I think when one individual's plans mm-hmm. become more important than mm. than the team's plans, wow. I think the the team can fall start to fall apart. I mean, you see it. Wow, you see it in business. You see it in sports. In the church, mm-hmm. you see it in church. Family, when, when leaders put their own selfish desires ab- above, like we're talking leadership like the people like they're leading or more importantly just like the the people i think to make it more general like just the people around you i think i think ego is is huge and uh the way of jesus was so anti-ego it was so Mm. outward looking (laughs) his disciples are like how can i be the best (laughs) yeah right and he's like, if you want to be the best, you'll you'll be last. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> if you want to be, you know, the mat, you'll be slave. Mm-hmm. You'll be servant. And so, I just see this total like in the way of Jesus is this total eradication of like <laughs> ego, and it's this constant like laying yourself down. Mm. But we're not naturally like that, and so, like you're even saying with the men like the boy to man, like people need others wiser people who are farther along down the road to teach them. It's not about you. Right. (laughs) So that's where I, I, I'm very much like an extreme ownership, like guy like Jocko Willick, extreme ownership. Like when it comes like leadership, like I'm like, it's all about like the leader and the team is a direct reflection of like the leadership of the team. Mm. And so like, if we have guys on our team that are ego driven and more about themselves, that is not their fault. I'm Mm. saying it's the leadership's fault. I'm saying it's the players who know that's not the way like you win championships. Like when are you going to step up and and say something and take like responsibility? (laughs) But I think ego for me is, uh, is a huge roadblock to like team success. That's That's a big one. What else? Uh, you know, I'm gonna play my token song. I gotta play my play my instrument, and it's time, time, hurry, uh, uh, yeah. rushing around, um, hurry, sickness. That's our Drew and I, are one of our favorites uh, from John Mark Comer. You guys oh, yeah. have talked about it before. <laughs> JMC, he's awesome. Dang, he's God's got a special anointing on that one. I met his parents the other day. Yeah, dude. Want to hear more about that? Anyways, I, I think that's the, the enemy. That's enemy number one. That's a big threat. Um, if plan is like the day one sit down thing to do, well, why do most people never plan? 
They never carved out the time to do it. And they never, mm-hmm. I mean, their time was sabotaged. They put it somewhere else. I love when our old pastor, for at least three of us at the table, used to say, Tim Selleck, the only irreplaceable resource, the only commodity you cannot get yeah. back is time. Yeah. Once spent, it's gone forever. It's not an investable, mm-hmm. you know, per se resource. You can Money, you can spend it and get it back. Um, stuff you can give it and give it and get it back mm. but time once invested is gone forever you know and so make sure it's invested well and so i think we're just sidetracked by distraction mm. by chaos by disorder um putting our our time investments in the wrong buckets and yeah. so you, your roi is going to come from that that's enemy number one for me no argument for me there love it we're talking roadblocks yeah what are, like what are some maybe some common roadblocks a team might come up against or a family yeah, so uh, I think and I'm trying to think of how to word this, but it could be like like distraction, like um, focus in the wrong areas, mm-hmm. where the game is is going to be won through you know spiritual fruit, but the world is tugging you to focus on that type of thing, right? Because it's not like the needs of life go away and you add more mouths to feed and the worries of this world and can come and choke up a faith. Right. Yeah. So I'd say the biggest distraction are probably the wrenches that this world throws at us. constantly. Yeah, man. I think even you and Ben like have a direct like connection. Like Ben talks about like not carving out like the right amount of time. Like you're talking about distraction. You're just spending your time in the wrong place. Right. Mm. Right. And that's what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. There is a difference. I like that word focus, too. Like, yeah. And this is a polarizing, I don't remember who first said it, but it's kind of a polarizing comment. But some people believe that you should you should never even look at weaknesses. You should just be getting strengths to their max. Wow. Like stop trying to become or grow in a space that's not even ever going to be a mm. on a scale of one to five. It's ever going to be a three for you. Like just make your fours and fives like the best. Mm. And I'm sure there's a sports analogy there, definitely a real life analogy there. It's like, why are you trying to become yeah. your focus is in the wrong place? I think that makes a lot of sense because when I'm laser focused on what God's doing and the word of God, um, yeah. Satan's distractions and lies that get thrown at me they're almost like laughable they're like coming in slow mo it's like yep dip, dip that one <laughs> right well, what do you think well Sorry, i, I kind of want to add one bg too is uh i know one in the in the arena of sports that has directly like impacted my life mm-hmm. uh is injury like what happens when oh. somebody goes down like that direct yeah. that is a direct roadblock to like, success like what happens when you're starting Right tackle like is now out for the season, or one of your guys goes down with an injury for six weeks, and there's a there's a huge game. What happens when a family member dies or comes down with a an ailment, or like let's take it even smaller scale that maybe more people encounter. Let's say one of the members of the family like breaks their foot or their arm or gets really. I just sick. came off a broken foot. Yeah, it's Last debilitating. Month. Like I when I broke my ankle my second year in the NFL. Like I was on a scooter, I was kind of like bedridden, and mm. talk about like the weight. Like it, Jackie and I are kind of operating as a team right here. Well, suddenly, boom, boom one teammate goes down. Like huh. the work doesn't disappear. I couldn't like, even the pick up the trash. The workload doesn't disappear. So like, where does it go? Wow. Well, it goes to everybody else. Wow. And so like, what what happens when that? Like I think the world would describe it as like you've got to have luck in a season. Like you've got to have luck. Like people have to stay healthy. <laughs> this, that, and the other. Like I think as believers, as as Christians, like we have faith. Yeah. We have faith that God is, is working out his purpose and we kind of work from this place of victory. And so it's like, where is our faith at in those moments when one team member goes down? 
So how can we how can we overcome those kind of barriers? And if you could say, what, what would be one thing that a family, specifically, since we're talking about family, what what could be one thing that a family has to do to stay on mission and succeed? How can you overcome those barriers? And, and what's the one thing to stay on mission and succeed? I know for me in my sports journey, when things hit the fan, so to speak, a lot of people lose sight of the process and the things that actually got them to that point. Mm. Like you encounter an injury and you forget about all the things that helped you get on the path to begin with. So you have no chance at getting back on the path. You're Mm. off the path with the injury and now you're neglecting the things that kept you on the path. And so you've got no chance to get back on the path. Like you're not eating right. Mm. You're not Uh sleeping right. You're playing more video games. You're on your phone more. Like you're doing things that are toxic to your mind. I think in our, in our faith walk, in our life, like when stuff hits the fan, when somebody gets sick, when somebody gets fired, when somebody's fighting, siblings are fighting or they're not on the best of terms. Like, do we stick to like the game plan, do we stick to the things that like have had us on the path, which is mm. like the word of God, the instruction of God, the voice of God abiding, or do we choose to unabide and detach ourselves from God and try to like handle things on our own? And so I think like sticking to the thing that got you there, boom, is yeah, like the way. So good. Like the yeah, fundamental is a good word. Yeah, love that word abide. Yeah, too, and it's kind of like. You know, like God told the Israelites to remember and obey, you know, so remember what God has told us, keep his promises. This season of life doesn't change that and, uh, and, and obey his word. And and if anything, it's going to be an opportunity for us to experience him, a closeness with him that wouldn't have been possible had we not come up against this tribulation Mm -hmm. so i think just like holding firm to what we believe because the teacher's quiet during the test Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you i'll go real quick and my answer is uh choose make a decision Mm. small just just every single major life change and churning of the big ship started with one small decision Mm -hmm. going back to your quote about obedience what's underneath obedience that could be powerful than a hundred you know flimsy prayers maybe we'll assume they're flimsy um it, it, what's underneath obedience is is choice you chose to obey the mm. holy spirit or that convicting voice yeah. or that word that was spoken to you you chose the last mm-hmm. 12 months using a guy from church who does this class called renewing the mind that has rocked my world the power that god god does give us through free will and, and volition mm. to choose and so for a family out there who's struggling they're in the thick of it or they're an obstacle or they can never break their previous generational sin patterns or mm. broken families or whatever it is Man, it's such a lie that you cannot change it. And it starts with one choice that snowballs into a hundred other really good choices. Decision is hugely underrated. Well, I'll just throw this bomb out there. I mean, I think for anybody who's listening, you know, wherever you're at, faith, no faith, any background, I just just don't think uh, you you can succeed as a family in in the way that it, it is really meant to be and to its fullest without God. Uh, and I just don't think it's possible. And, um, so if you don't, if you don't know God and you need to know God, then just know God. Okay. <laughs> Get to know him. That's it. Get to know Jesus. You okay. Know, you can't you do know. it without him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where I would just 
you know, end it right there. But thank you guys so much for, for chiming in. Thank you for this great conversation, guys. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, everybody. Um, guys, we will see you next time on our next episode. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Makers podcast. You can learn more about becoming a legacy maker and taking another step as a family to build a powerful legacy by going to our website, chooseourlegacy.com. And again, if this episode was encouraging or helpful for you or your family in any way, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and share the episode so as many families as possible will learn to live on purpose.